Hello and welcome or welcome back. This is The Overview Effect with James Perrin. This is a podcast all about trying to see things from a bigger perspective, a bigger picture point of view. Do you ever just get caught up in the day-to-day work, dishes, scrolling, whatever it is, and sometimes something just seems to kind of snap you out of what you're doing and you go, whoa, what am I actually doing here? Who am I? Why am I here? What's important to me? These are the moments I'm interested in and this is what these conversations in this podcast are all about. So thank you so much for being here. I'd like to start by acknowledging that this podcast is recorded on Bunjalung land. I would like to pay my respects to members of the Bunjalung community and I'm very happy to say I do have a couple of influential members of such community joining me in conversation in today's episode. Now, I want to start by just asking you to do something for me. Just close your eyes and imagine you're sitting in your home. You're kind of minding your own business, enjoying your place where you've been for a long time, a place that you've looked after and cherished for a long time. And all of a sudden, someone comes in, a stranger. They don't knock, they just roll through the front door. They look around and say, I'm just going to change a few things. Maybe they pull out some of the plants in your garden, Um, they trash your living room, they eat all your food. (sighs) You'd be livid, rightly so, of course you would. And when when you try to talk or fight back, They fight you with weapons. They overpower you. They tell your children that you weren't living the right way. They take them away from you. And then every year on that day, they throw a huge party at your place, invite all their mates around, and they celebrate their achievement. How would that make you feel? It's a ridiculous concept, right? I mean, that would never happen. We couldn't, as humans, as neighbors, we couldn't let that happen to someone. Could we? You see, as I record this, we're coming up to January 26th here in Australia. And most of my listeners will know what this day means. But for anyone listening overseas, January 26th is Australia Day. And Australia Day is a national public holiday where we celebrate the colonization of this country. We celebrate the day when the first fleet landed here 233 years ago and put a British flag in the ground. And we generally celebrate it with lots of drinking, barbecues, fireworks maybe, some temporary tattoos, a bunch of Aussie flags, maybe some loud music at the beach, maybe a burnout or two, and kind of just generally being obnoxious. I mean, how else would we celebrate the colonization of a foreign land by a monarchy? How else should we celebrate the disruption of the world's oldest living culture? How else should we celebrate and commemorate such a significant date? Now, my intention isn't to make you feel angry or ashamed or anything like that. My my intention is to highlight how ridiculously inappropriate this celebration is. See, my guests today are Bundjalung men, men whose families, whose ancestors have been living in the same place for tens of thousands of years. They're men who have been brought up learning from their elders, something we don't do well in modern society. They've 
grown up learning the stories of how to live, how to help each other, and how to be in harmony with and respect nature. And you would think that they have every right, and they do have every right, to be vindictive or unforgiving or to shut down from approaching society. But they're the polar opposite of those things. And it just goes to show the strength of their culture, their community, and most of all their mindset, that they have spent their lives actively engaging and embracing and educating modern society about better ways to live for all of us. They reflect on the last 200 or so years and say, yeah, we need to acknowledge the truth of what happened. And they also say, what kind of world do we want to create together in the next 200 years? Such a powerful concept. These guys are such talented people. Between them, they've done everything from (laughs) curating musical productions, including at the 2018 Commonwealth Games, uh, undergone education in environmental management, and gone on to become national park and marine park ranger, uh, competitive surfing, uh, business owners, so much more. And one of their current projects is Barnum Cultural Intelligence, where they hold workshops for companies, schools, organizations, all about the principles of indigenous culture that have successfully governed indigenous societies for tens of thousands of years. I'm just going to leave it there and let them do the rest of the talking Please enjoy this conversation with brothers Kyle and Josh Slab. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Cool. Kyle, Josh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us on. Mate. Pleasure. Thank you for having me in your home, for having me in your place. Um, you know, I, I want to start and acknowledge your place in this land and the traditional history and you guys, as the, you, you guys and your family as the traditional custodians of this land. So I just want to say thanks again for, for coming on the show and having me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're welcome. Why did it? Why did it? You're Yeah. Yeah. Nalenga Midi Yangala Jagoni, Nalenga Karama Jagon Yavroni, Nalenga Navangale, Kijongi, Karama, Karamolan Yoi, Puoi, Yoi. Just Yoi. Yeah, that was Kyle speaking and it, just acknowledging country, acknowledging the old people that have, that have gone before us mm. and. Uh, you know, no matter who we are or where we come from, we, we carry the spirit of our ancestors and we carry their story and continue their story. And so we're, we're very um, privileged to be able to do that. Mm. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. And well, I guess while we're, while we're here, um, maybe for anyone listening, can you tell us a little bit about this place? Where are we and what does it mean to you guys? Yeah, so the, the land we, we're on here and, and the place we call home and uh, at the place that you know our old people have occupied before us and that this place is called Buningba in our language and, and Buning, Buningba is the place of the echidna and that's associated with a cultural story here in this place now called Fingal Head and um, like I said yeah it's been home for us and, and our old people 
gone before us, but we um, we come from the Gujingwara people, which are the people that occupy this part of the coast, but we we are part of the Bunjalung people, of the Bunjalung nation, and yeah, we have a lot of family and relatives throughout Bunjalung nation, mm. yeah. Awesome. Well, again, it's it's great to be here. And i got to say, as someone who's only been in this part of the world for the last five years, and I've lived in a, a few different parts of Australia and other countries, this, this, there's something particularly special and magical about this place. Mm. I love it here. So this, the, the show is called The Overview Effect, and it's based in this idea, this, this concept that astronauts describe. It's this experience that astronauts have when they, they go off into space on a spaceship and you can imagine I have this mentality of astronaut, like very analytical, you know, cold, hard fact science. And then they go up into, into space and they look back on Earth and see Earth from space as a whole. And they describe it as this really overwhelming sense of connection to, you know, life and the world and humanity. And they quite often describe coming back to Earth completely changed and it changes their view and their outlook on life. And I, I really love and am and, and, and inspired by that. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you guys if you if you've had any experiences or periods of time in your life that have dramatically shaped your perspective and the way that you see the world. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, in our in our cultural systems and um, frameworks, for us as Aboriginal people, our, our whole cosmology is built around the land story and the sky story, and so you know describing what it what's the earth and a, a broader perspective of the earth for us everything that we see on the land and the story of the land is also reflected in the sky and the relationship between the sky story whatever form that takes in in um our mythology and our understanding of of those stories for us they're they're both reflected and as as human beings we um we understand that what the old people told us we carry the stories of the land in the physical, in our physical bodies, and who we are as people. It comes from the land, comes from our mother, but we also carry those sky stories too that come from that whatever spiritual entity, whatever that form that takes for different tribal groups. Um, we carry that in us, in our spirit, and in our, in the life that we carry in us. So we're always connected to that land story and sky story. So that's um that's what it is to be an Aboriginal person and and a, a human in our in our cultural understanding so there there is a sense of connection wherever you go mm. where it doesn't matter if we went to the other side of the world you know we're still that's still we're still connected to our story yeah yeah connection is a a, a a theme that keeps running through in all of these conversations i'm having and you know i think you guys do do such an amazing job you've done so many uh, in the in the educational workshops you run in the uh, i mean you do everything let's face it you guys music <laughs> performances um you do so much to try to connect people to your culture and educate people and celebrate aboriginal culture mm. and i'm really mindful that you know we're actually about to come into uh you know the date on the calendar the 26th of january mm. um and there's increasingly more and more conversation happening around this date what is what does that day kind of mean to you guys? How does it make you feel, and how does how does that conversation kind of land with you guys? 
one old fellow said to us when we were younger, um, he said, we started to talk about, he said, who are we? And um, we started to talk about what all our traditional cultural practices are, what our traditional stories are. And he said, um, who are we? And and we're talking about all those things of the past. And, and he said an interesting thing to us. He said, who we were 200 years ago is important. He said, but even more important is who, a question, an even more important question is who are we going to be in another 200 years? And I think that's a, that's a relevant question when we start to have that conversation around January the 26th and even other dates and different kind of commemorations that we have as a, as a nation altogether here in this, in this land. And um, I think starting to consider what systems are we actually building, building our nation on, what, what's the future look like, you know, even what it is to be an Australian, mm. what it was 50 years ago is very different to what it is to be an Australian today. What is it going to? What is it going to look like in another fifty years? You know. So I think um, even in those conversations, there's lots of healing that has to happen. There's lots of acknowledgement of the truth. You know. Um, sometimes people don't like the truth, but and we'd like to have every other story except that. But the reality of it is acknowledging it and then saying acknowledging where we are now and and where do we go from here. Mm. So I think it's a. We definitely have to look at look forward in this, and and not only as a nation, but you know globally in that bigger picture at the moment. Mm. What what systems are we building in the future for the planet on? Because if we don't consider if we don't consider the land and our relationship to land, I think yeah we're going to have um, we'll be in a lot different situation in the next two hundred years. Yeah, and that that's really what we do every day at Bunham we try and educate people on that you know that what are the what are our cultural principles what are our foundations what are our systems what are we you know and and what are these principles really informing what practices are we are we creating as a nation that not only beneficial for for one people group or this people group but it's beneficial for all of us you know we want to see a, a better future society for, for not only your children but for all of our children and that's that's really where we want to where we want to head so that mm. that importance of of asking the question who who will we be is is very important yeah it's, it's just as important as who who are we and it's good good discussions to have around that yeah mm. immediately you, you you framed up who are we going to be in 200 years you know and, and coming from that place of being a good ancestor Right, yeah. so you you started by talking about you've got connection to your ancestors, and you're also talking about being an ancestor and what kind of what can we build now and what can we put in place now for the future. And I think there's that's something that I I think a lot of culture or Western culture, a lot of modern day society has lost. You know, yeah. like taking that longer term view of time. I mean, if, even if you think two hundred years ago was not a long time ago. No, it's no. like none of the houses these roads you know the landscape none of this was here no. 200 years is a, a sliver yeah in terms of time yeah and even in our lifetime we've seen like rapid change in this in this area yeah. and we've got people in the we've got you know a number of old ladies in our community that are over 100 years old mm. and so the change that they've seen in a in a century Wow. Uh, you know, we, what we've only seen in, you know, less than 50. Yeah. Yeah, they've, they've seen pretty much 
the Gold Coast grow out of the sand dunes in their <laughs> in their lifetime. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, so when you start to think of it, start to put it into perspective, and I think people generally fall into the trap of um seeing seeing history in you know fifty year windows because I uh, you know it was, it's always been like this when actually you know a hundred years ago it wasn't like this mm. and then a hundred and fifty it wasn't like that again and so but people are just like you know it's their experience so when when we were kids that's what it looked like to what it is today so we kind of build our own stories around what we've experienced and our perception where you know it's it's been thousands of years here and um when you start to look into the the you know the geology and also and the cultural stories and how they start to fit together and talking about sea level rise and fall and and different things like that what's out in the reefs and the cultural stories that have shifted inland and and things like that over you're talking 10,000 year cycles so mm. yeah so perspective is is real interesting when it comes to how you what your story is yeah. yeah i wonder if part of that for modern society this inability to look long term is because we find it hard as humans sometimes to look past like our own kind of lifespan Mm, or you know and and we kind of that's our realm of thinking is the 50 or so years is probably about as far as we can look back or forward because that's probably how we kind of view our lives around 100 or so years but having those ties to traditional stories to Mm. you know such a long-standing culture I think yeah. perhaps gives you a, a broader perspective of life and yeah. mm. pe- perhaps how we should be living and realising that we're all actually just a very, very small part of a very big picture. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think... Uh, That's... Yeah. Yeah. Lo- Go on, you talk. There's a, <laughs> there's a lot of... Um, yeah, and you're just talking about that and that perspective. It's, it's you know, the, coming from one of the oldest living cultures... You know, on the planet, it's very um, the perspective is 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 great. They're thinking, they're thinking huge and generationally. You know, old people had a lot of wisdom in that regard. And I think of some of the things that you know they taught us when we were little. You go and go into the bush, and there might be a, a fruit on the bush on the bush and a fruit on the tree. And yet, the old fellow say, "Oh, you, it's time to have a feed. Let's let's pick some fruit." And as you know, as young fellas, you'd always go for the one that looks the best. But they'd, they'd stop you and say, "Hang on, get this one, get this one on the ground. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm. And if you take that one on the ground, then the fella coming behind you, he can have this one that's on the bush. And then that green one there, they'll be ready for the next next fella coming behind him. So it was, you know, that sustainability and, and that long that long vision and long perspective was built into the way the old people taught. And I think that's something really from from our um, our people that can benefit and, and help change that perspective that's you know sometimes that hundred window mm. kind of that hundred year window that we think in but you know that's 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 what they one of the them cultural principles is they, they don't you don't think of you, you you don't think of yourself you think about you know your your grandchildren you think three generations down the track in everything you do every everything in the you know that that's always that sustainability mechanism is built into our cultural methodology and everything we do, even you know, something as simple as fishing practice to, to gathering stuff off country or hunting, you know, you're always it's it's so you know, it's really sustainable. You're not you know you're always conscious of the impact that you might have for your for your people and that's you know, that, that sort of thinking is really that generational thinking of what 
what are we leaving? What what sort of answers is, mm. are we going to be? You know, that's yeah. Yeah. And I guess in that way, it makes you feel connected, right? And yeah. I think that another part of what we what we see in modern society is this separation of everything. Mm. You know, we see separate blocks, separate houses, separate. I mean, I even I laugh every time because I I, I have a half acre block, and all my neighbours have about the same size, and they all get out on their own ride on mowers around the, around the same time. It's kind of yeah. like when one goes, the next one. Yeah triggers something and he hops on his and he hops on his and I just go these guys use these $5,000 machines once a month you know and they all have their own one couldn't we just have one that we use together you know but for whatever reason we we separate everything out and and label it as our property you know and it's only ours to use and it's only our land and our boundary and it's just such a the more and more I learn about kind of Aboriginal culture and history, the more mm. I'm starting to realise that there are actually a lot of different ways to view yeah. the world mm. and and view land. I mean, I'll, sorry, I'll, I'll give you one other example. I recently, we've got a whole bunch of kids' books for our kids, um, and we've been finding more and more about Australian history and Aboriginal history. And we found this one in an op shop called My Place, and it's really amazing because it starts in. 1988 and each page is a different child um, telling the story about where they live and it's the same town so it starts 1988 there's houses and subdivisions and factories and talks about how the creek is polluted and all these sorts of things and every page it goes back 10 years it's a different child 1988 you go back 1978 1968 and you start to see you know less and less development and it only takes you 20 pages and you're back to 1788. Yeah. And and every single page, every child saying, "This is my place. This is my place. This is my place." And on the last page, the Aboriginal child says, "I belong to this place." Yeah. And that for me was so powerful. The very first time I read that, it was yeah. like just a completely different way of living. Yeah. And it comes back to what Kyle alluded to in the beginning: is the the Yagon, you, you know, our perspective of of land and we view that view the land as an entity not as a commodity and it's it's that's what our old people always said you you come you come from the land so it's pretty and we get the you know there's terminologies that people be familiar with like mother earth and um you, you come from the land the land's your mother how can you how can you own your mother <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> It's yeah. a pretty hard thing to do, um, you know. If you if you think of it, even in a physical sense, it's, you know, I'm pretty sure my mum would be upset if I told her that I owned her. <laughs> um, and that's that's the p- perspective. Yeah, it's you, you belong to this land, and and you're, you come from the land. You go back to the land, and that's what the old people, yeah, taught us. And so, are these the types of things, the conversations, the types of education that you're working with groups through Barnum that Barnum teaches and, and Barnum um, rolls out in its workshops and what sort of yeah what sort of conversations are you happening and what what sort of outcomes are you seeing yeah all, all those topics um, really looking at but from more from from a systemic point of view so lots of the um, you know engagement and relational uh, probably you know problems and and issues that we have and the conversations that we need to have lots of them are systemic problems 
you can't solve systemic problems without systemic solutions. So, and I think a lot of time the gaps that the government keeps talking about that we can't close, and mm. employment, education, and health, all, all those sectors, they're they're not. Um, a lot of the time, you know, it's not just because there's we're so different, or you know, one system's functional, one system's dysfunctional. It's just that there's they're different systems, and and there's and it's caused by systemic conflict at that systemic level. The stuff that you talk about, you know, like the ownership and and the mindset of that kind of celebrating the individual all the time and, and trying to find your own two feet and, and stand on your own two feet and all these kind of um, themes and, and ways of thinking for us as Aboriginal people growing up in Aboriginal communities and, and you know, big family groups and, and that too for us. It's more about the collective, and and it's not so much dependence, but it's about into it's about those relationships and the protocols that are important to us and our collective identity, not just us as individuals. And we talk about in the session, it's in, in within cultural system for us, the individual is valued, but their belonging is found within the collective. So if you if you aren't in, the, you have to be in the collective for that value to be activated. You can't. A person in isolation, uh, you you could be the most brilliant mind on the planet. You could be the you know you could be have be the most creative. You could be whatever. If you're only in isolation and it's only kept to yourself, mm. then what value is that to the to the rest of us? You know, like so. That's um for us as Aboriginal people. That's coming into the the conflict between communal structures and hierarchical structures. The gaps that are between those two systems often you know that's what causes the gaps in the in the other sectors and so we, we touch on on some of those but then right down to basic systemic um relational how our how our relational structures work and if people want to engage with communities and with aboriginal people that's you have if you understand our cultural st- structures and systems it makes it a lot easier to navigate that that space mm. Mm. Yeah. When you talk of isolation, I mean, we've just had a year of, you know, where ISO became a buzzword, right? And I think, I hope that um, a lot of people felt some sense of isolation and had to sit with that and kind of reflect, you know, Mm. there was also a lot of, we also saw an enormous amount of consolidation of wealth and power to massive corporations, you know, online and governments and things like that. But I, I think... Maybe it's just my lens, but I think people did get a bit of a chance to pause and reflect on how they want to live and, you know, what's important to them. And I think a lot of people have realized how important connections mm-hmm. in your community are and being isolated, even with the, you know, Netflix and food deliveries to our door, you still feel isolated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and for me, it's kind of like those connections are kind of like true wealth. You know, they're starting to get to that place of going, well, money in your bank account isn't wealth when, as you said, you could be the smartest, richest, whatever, but money in your bank account is nothing when you don't have your neighbours and your brothers and sisters and your family around you to, to yeah. be part of that community, right? Yeah. Well, well uh, there's a saying that we um, I talk about a lot with the young followers because it was something that through our own lived experience and also through our cultural story... Yeah, you have to be able to make sense of your world. Uh, like, whatever context that you're in, like, it doesn't matter what it is, whoever you are, you know, you can be 
you can be a kid sitting in the desert in over in you know in the African continent, or you can be somebody up in somebody in, in the middle of a city in Europe where we just happen to be Aboriginal people sitting in on the east coast of Australia, and you know the the that doesn't that's not lost on us that we're in a pretty beautiful place, and you know we've, <laughs> we've been here, but um doesn't matter who you are you, you have to be able to make sense of your world mm. and if your world doesn't make sense to you then you have disconnections all over the place and I, I think last year was a, a good example of that right around the planet people had time to stop and just re- assess their world you know what what are the, what are the world am I living in right now mm. and you know we, we tend to just pick things up and pick things up and drop things and sometimes we're so focused on what we're picking up that we're not conscious of what we're dropping or um you know where that's that happens in life and we all end up real busy and and you know pursuing things that we and we're not even we haven't really interrogated why am i heading down this track or Mm. why do i need this or what do i really want this Mm. last year i think was a good time for people to actually stop and have have a bit of time to go all right what what is this world that I'm in? You know, there were things that weren't making sense right across the board on a big scale, like um, toilet paper shortages and all that kind of thing. Like, yes. for, yeah, that was a bit weird and like <laughs> a few other things. And e- even the whole border stuff and border closures. I was sitting in the borderline the other day and um, just thinking of some of the European countries and, you know, some of those other countries. That This has been life for them, you know, for for centuries and other places where they're on when you have to sit in borderlines and that's that's normal for a lot of people around the world not for us it's uh you know mm, it's true. it's new to us but how do how do we make sense of it and sometimes it's, it's hard to make sense for for us as aboriginal people coming from communities and living in our community context and then coming engaging with the rest of the rest of the world the broader community we also have to be able to make sense of that. What what really helped us in that aspect was if we could take our inherent cultural system and then apply it in this new world that we're in, uh, then it made it a lot more easier. When we had systemic alignment of our inherent cultural systems, things flowed. When we didn't have that and we couldn't we couldn't find that, that's when we opt out. You know, like that's that's how what causes those gaps. Mm. I had a you know a cultural education from the elders here in this community and my grandparents and uncles and aunties around. All their cultural education I had was connected to the environment that I was in. I I know what that bird sings at. I know what happens when this wind blows this direction. What these kind of clouds mean. Everything makes sense. Even the people that come in and out. When I went into um, when I started to engage in the broader community, my Western education seemed like was. Uh, we just pick random numbers out of the air and, you know, random stories that have no connection to nothing that I would do. And, like, you know, so it was, for me, it, that disconnection was, was fr- early for me until I could make the connections with my own cultural system, inherent system, until I could, I realised that I could apply my own cultural system and frame to that world that I was in. That's when it started to make sense to me. And... You know, like you talk about, I think we have to take things um, at face value sometimes. But, you know, as human beings, we we talk in our sessions about we're all an accumulation of our stories, uh, the stories that we've inherited, but also our own experience and our memories. And then 
And so we've inherited these stories and we've built our own and we're continually living out a story. But basically our whole our whole person or what we perceive as ourselves are accumulation accumulation of those stories. And but it's um it's a little bit more than that in from our cultural perspective and understanding. It's a we are as human beings we're like the interface of those stories and the, and the physical reality and so um, our people talk about you know we're all we we might be custodians of particular places on country as um, first nations but everybody's a custodian of their own inner world and and how you how you move move about in that what's in it and how you relate to that you're the interface of that world and and the rest of the the planet and humanity so having those being conscious of those things and just going all right this is um i need to make sense of this and this is my reality and and this is the truth for me and how how does that connect with everybody else's and if it if it doesn't then um we end up with problems (laughs) if it does then then things are in alignment and i think yeah, hope that makes sense. But um. yeah, well, I mean, it, it's. <laughs> I mean, what 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 I'm hearing from you guys and what I've I've kind of seen and read and heard in the past is, it's not just like here's a set of rules to follow or here's a policy or here's a few, I don't know, culturally culturally significant actions you could take. It's it's it starts here, like in in your body, in your mind, in your yeah. in who you are. Yeah. Um, and you've got to get that. It's that that intention, that starting yeah. point. Yeah. Right, and it's kind of like claiming your own sovereignty back before you can then become part of that community. Yeah, um, for sure. I mean, and you've been running you, you've been running these workshops, but you've also you know spent many many years um, educating and celebrating Aboriginal culture and these sorts of um, topics that we're talking about. Have you seen change in your lifetime? We talk about scale of time, but things can change so rapidly. Are you seeing change? Are you seeing things go for better, for worse? Like, how do you guys see the direction of modern society? Yeah, I think I think we're seeing definitely seeing change. There's um, in the you know, like like we we're talking about before. There's in the there's the, that little window as we talk about it of time, and in the, I reckon in the last twenty years in this country, we've we've seen a fair bit of change. We've still still got a long way to go. Mm. Um, there's still a lot of a lot of impact, um, a lot of education that needs to be done. But you know, even we, I sort of grew up in the early '80s. Time was very different back then when I when I was a kid to what it is today. And um, you know, that that time in the in the '80s was a was a time when a lot of even even I can remember as a kid, a lot of our cultural practice, cultural methodology, it was still suppressed by mainstream society. So in even you know in, in on the east coast of Australia, so it was pretty. It was it was only throughout my lifetime that I actually seen even cultural expression. You know, the the song, the dance, the language, that stuff start to be accepted by mainstream society. So, in the in in one sense, yeah, we, we've seen great great change in the last twenty odd years. But yeah, I think um, the, there's there's definitely. Like, like we say, once once people can begin to interrogate themselves and begin and start with themselves first and and ask those those real questions, look at it, look at each other on a principal level, try and try and form those practices in society that are going to inform all of us. And they're, they're, that's really 
it's that systemic change and, and meet it at that systemic level, at a framework level where we'll see the greatest change, I believe, and that's mm. that's really what we do day in, day out, is is try and get people to interrogate themselves and and um, really really start at that foundational level and start to build because build on you know that foundation because there's a lot of people still you know we meet a lot of people that are just doing doing things and they're not really sure why they're doing them exactly like you said about the lawnmower there's still people every day we're meeting and coming and crossing paths with people that are that are saying i've never i've never actually thought of that i, I don't know why i did i do those type <laughs> of things that i do and it's pretty um yeah you get some you know some hilarious things when we start to interrogate ourselves one of the benefits we have is that we we grew up in a pretty isolated place here and so we grew up in a very um you know in a, in a tight-knit community and we were we weren't exposed to the the broader community until a little bit later in life and so we grew up in a little we call it the the aboriginal bubble and <laughs> grew up with a, a real um, perspective that come from our community just like people do and when we were exposed to other things um then we really had to begin to interrogate ourselves even as aboriginal people why why do we do what we do where does this come from and not only that but the we had we had help with that because a lot of people from the broader community would would ask questions and that started from a very early age like why are you that color why you talk that language um what's that accent you're using what's that food you're eating you know so it's and that happens to many minority groups out there. If any minority groups that are, are not kind of in part of the mainstream society of the day, they're forced to interrogate their culture. And that's really, you know, that's an, I, I see that as an advantage for us because we've, we've been doing it really for a long time, all of our lives. You know, those questions, they haven't stopped. They, they continue now, 40 years later. We're still answering the questions that are, that are fired at us every day as Aboriginal people because some of our practices look a little bit different mm. to, to mainstream. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm sort of happy that some of our practices look different. And, uh, <laughs> I'm glad that we still have our culture. I'm glad that we still have our practices because, you know, there's, there's old fellas that fought really hard to make sure that we had. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we talked before about kind of, you know, true wealth. And it's not, you know, money in your bank account or these days it's that's just digits on a screen or, you know, mm. um, but to be culturally rich, you know, that's, that's a form of wealth that so many people in modern society are lacking. Yeah. And it, if you, you have such strong connections to that, that's somewhere where it sounds like I'm hearing that you, you can always be grounded in that place. And regardless of what happens in that external world, you can kind of come back mm. to that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, uh, yeah, I think uh, that whole connection. All cultural systems are ultimately systems of survival, and you know we say make sense of your world. But how do you survive in the in the context that you're in? And not just survive. People use the word thriving, but um, thriving's just surviving really well. <laughs> and so you know, it's all, it's about that. And uh, and when when you do look at some of the history of nations and where things are pe people had to survive and mm. and yeah so a lot of the but they never never interrogated the practices deeply it's just what we have to do to survive so we do it mm. and yeah and as as you know things have 
gotten a lot better, I think, um, in this nation for all people. And just just the quality of life and the privileges that we do have just as a nation across the board, sometimes you get a bit you get a bit blinded to um what what the real what's really going on, you know, and at that at a deeper level and and when we start asking those questions, yeah, what really is wealth and what am I accumulating and how am I connected to it? What what's the purpose of storing it up and and doing things, you know, we ultimately you need you need food and water and shelter and that's that's your basic needs dealt with like what do you need what what do you need to have like 15 bathrooms in your house if there's only five years in it and like that's yep. those, somewhere to put all your toilet paper i guess yeah, there you go <laughs> that's why i worried about it running out maybe yeah but, yeah so yeah i think people reassessing and just saying what what does it take to power this life that i'm living and mm. what does it take to maintain this this life how I'm surviving is it sustainable yeah I think more and more people asking the question like Josh said I think we've come a long way in some things and um, I know in my lifetime things have definitely improved in some areas and definitely got more of a voice but then in other areas I think we've gone backwards in some ways mm-hmm. in um, in community and in, in, in relationships some, some ways like um yeah, I think the Australian society as a whole had more of a connection to um, a lot of what's meaningful in people knew who their neighbours were one time and, mm. you know, people people talk to each other. You find it in older generations more. You know, I think they were, they were horrendous at some things at that time that, yep. that we've got a lot better at in our, in our generation, but they also did some things a lot a lot better than we're doing them now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We've lost a lot of those humanistic elements, right? We've gone yeah. down the the very technological, very scientific, very um, kind of organised and, and very dictated almost way of doing things, which has been great for things like medical development or yeah. environmental practices or all that sort of stuff. But a lot of those humanistic community connection relationship yep. sides of things... Yeah. yeah, the older generations were much better up. Yeah, yeah. 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 So. It always it doesn't always kind of baffles my mind just to think of the old people when they you know living traditional lifestyle in this place and that you know they lived with the bare minimum. They they you know there was what we call the lumbinge, the the humpy, and then the, they had had a spear and a couple of other cultural implements, and that was that was kind of moved across the country as the, as they needed but that that was really it and so you know that that took a probably up maybe 10 percent of their day to sort that out but the other 90 percent that's that's really where the the magic happens and that's that 90 percent to develop systems that are beneficial for the collective mm. beneficial for humanity um the energy that they put in into that 90 percent is really that's that's the stuff I, I see the modern world now. It's a, it's really um, it's almost flipped. All the stuff and the accumulation of everything else is the ninety percent, and people are really busy with that. And that that ten percent is where they invest their time into the where they should be investing into the really meaningful things. And yep. so that's that's the wisdom and the brilliance of the old people, you know. Like and 
it was different perspectives. People come from different culture and viewed our old people with a totally different perspective. They come from that, I guess, uh, um, a culture that was, the economy was based on that materialism and, mm. and they, they, they had that perspective of, you know, of stuff, I guess. Yeah. And um, that's, that, that's how they, they come up with that ideology that Aboriginal people had nothing and they, they were poor people, but really extremely rich. And, um, you know, it's yep. only, fast forward a couple of hundred years down the track, it's only now that people realise the richness and the intelligence that, that our old people carry. And, yep. um, you know, there's a lot to learn from that because as soon as you, as soon as you start to eliminate some of that, that stuff in your life, it, it, it frees up time. And that's, t- that's time to have a cup of tea. Mm. That's time to have a yarn with, with your neighbour. That's time to, to spend with your family. That's time to you know take your wife out to dinner that's time to do all the good things that we really want to do but um yeah that, and that's that's the stuff that that really matters and that's what i look at them old people and i just think how how intelligent how smart how brilliant mm-hmm. like they that i'm i'm almost convinced that they've been here before and that <laughs> they've done this what we're doing yeah. right now and they realize that it's not really good for us yeah and so they went to a better way yeah yep well um guys for you know for for people and and culture that has faced you know awful atrocities in Mm. history everything that you're saying is about bringing everyone else together bringing everyone along teaching the old culture teaching the teaching the ways of your culture celebrating that culture and it's Mm. it just that is just a reflection of your culture's mindset to me of being part of the collective and not being this is our culture and this is what we're going to keep for ourselves and that's for you like even in light of facing all of those awful things your culture and and you guys expressing that are still coming to to the world and trying to give and trying to educate and trying to bring people together and it's just it's really inspiring and i just want to say thank you not only for your time and having me today, but thank you for the work that you're doing and, and, and sharing that wisdom because you're right, it's it's hugely important and it's really powerful. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Okay. Awesome. Thanks guys. That went um that went that went pretty deep. Yeah. Pretty hit home, didn't it? Ha 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 ha